0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary
2: have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug ignored a leaky faucet pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that well you're not alone we've all got unfinished home projects but there's an easier way when you download thumbtack it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom Pull out your phone, and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly-rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next, because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects, and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today.
3: This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with
4: America's
2: number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who
4: travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg.
3: Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day, Canada. The next day, Thailand. Then, New York, London. You just never know. This week, we come to you from Palm Beach, Florida at the legendary Breakers. For those of you who've never been to the Breakers, think about this. It was founded in 1896. It is a legendary, iconic piece of architecture, uh, and its enduring appeal is that it's timeless. it It is an amazing experience, a place with at least eight different restaurants, four different pools, 140 acres of oceanfront property, a half mile of private beach. I mean... And of course, they've been indulging guests for years, and I'm lucky enough to be one of them to be able to, you know, basically get on the air and talk about it. But the point is, it's real. And uh, I'm not a golfer, but I appreciate what they've done with their golf course as well. I drive a mean golf cart, though. The author of, well, Palm Beach, what an amazingly original title, <laughs> The Essential Guide to America's Legendary Resort Town. His name is Rick Rose. Rick, thanks for coming.
5: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank now, you so much, you Peter. talk
3: about it being a legendary resort town. Prove it.
5: Well, sure. Um, And don't
3: mention Donald Trump.
5: (laughs) No, don't don't worry about that. (laughs) Um, It's a legendary resort town because it's the first resort town in the United States. Uh, I can claim that because it's the first purpose-built resort town. So uh, I don't know how much you know about the history of Palm Beach, but I can uh, give you a few uh, comments about that. Sure, go ahead. Um, So, you know, Florida became a state in 1845 and President Jackson sent down troops about that time to round up the Indians and get them out to the reservations. And the whole peninsula was wilderness down here in this area, Um, but the water on the backside of Palm Beach Island was a part of the transportation route between the different uh, forts, uh, the military installations, Fort Pierce, Fort Jupiter, Fort Lauderdale, and Fort Dallas, which of course is now Miami. When he uh, was down here and they secured up the area for uh, um, settlers to come down here, the area was just basically farming until the arrival of um, Henry Flagler.
3: And Flagler made the difference.
5: Henry Flagler was a man who really changed Palm Beach into the first resort.
3: And now they mentioned the trains, too.
5: Right. So he uh, discovered the area. And, of course, the charm of the coconut palms is what charmed him here. And that's, of course, a funny little story. Coconut palms are not indigenous to the state of Florida, but they... Landed here on a ship in 1878, so we got coconut palms here in Florida, and that really charmed my uh, flagler to build his hotel down here. Why? Because he knew that if there were coconut palms, there was no frost.
3: Ah, that's how he figured out the weather.
5: Exactly. He had already built a hotel up in North Florida, in St. Augustine, but uh, he wasn't real happy with the weather up there, so he built his hotel down here in this big coconut grove
3: and it's existed ever since 1896.
5: Well the first hotel actually opened in 1894 and then uh, roughly about a year later know uh, the state of Florida gave them that hundred foot wide uh, swath of land from uh, St. Augustine all the way down to Palm Beach to build that train, the Florida East Coast Railroad and that uh, was completed in 1895 so that's the reason why I can claimed to be the first resort towns because it was the first purpose-built.
3: And people came by train.
5: They came by train, and it was very exotic to come all the way down from uh, New York and a train all the way down to the tropics.
3: My first train trip, I, if, if truth could be told, I was eight years old. We took a train from New York to Florida, and uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, it, was, uh, it was wild and wonderful and crazy and slow, but it was fun. And, and I'll never forget, you know, taking that train with my dad and my mom.
5: Well, that was all Henry Flagler who started all that. And I think as a result of Henry Flagler bringing in, you know, that Gilded Age atmosphere here, uh, that's what really makes uh, Palm Beach a little bit different than other resort towns in Florida because it has a little bit more older culture.
3: Well, let's talk about this particular architecture here at the Breakers because let's start at 1896. One of its enduring appeals is that this place seems timeless.
5: Absolutely. So the current building was built in uh, 1927, so it's not the original building. The original uh, building was more of a vict- Victorian era on the, on the lakeside. But um, the architects of the Breakers today were the famous Schultz and Weaver who designed the Waldorf Astoria in New York City as well. So it's quite a grand palace now.
3: It's it's built strong.
5: <laughs> Absolutely, and that's why the famous architect Addison Meisner did not get the uh, commission to build the hotel. That was a bit of a scandal. Um, so the uh, Flagler descendants wanted to have it concrete block, so they went with someone who could build something a little bit more sturdy.
3: We're talking to Rick Rose, the uh, author of Palm Beach, The Essential Guide. You've been down here for a long time. You're from here.
5: I was born and raised, but you know... One like, of the
3: only people I'm talking to on the show today who's not from New York, Long Island, or, 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 <laughs> or somewhere they're freezing right now.
5: Yes, there are a few of us around, and like every teenager, I couldn't wait to move away because I thought it was the most boring place for grandparents. <laughs> but but I ended up coming back to my hometown. And you stayed here because? Uh, because of the incredible weather and the diverse uh, community here. It's a great place to, to live and have a business.
3: When you take a look at the Breakers, because it's, it's an iconic piece of architecture, and it it really is almost branded as almost a trademark of Palm Beach, right? It's one of the great last big resorts in America that's lasted so long it's become a destination in and of itself.
5: Absolutely, yeah. What's its legacy? Well, it's, uh, it's a legacy. The legacy of this hotel is that it has made uh, Palm Beach probably the most desired Uh, luxury resort destination, certainly one of the most uh, desired destinations worldwide. And uh, it has set the standard here locally in terms of hospitality. So there's so many things that have happened here at this hotel as well.
3: I mean, I think of Palm Beach, you know, you think of Worth Avenue, of course. You think of uh, big mansions. Right. I mean, look, Mar-a-Lago, before Donald Trump came here, was... Was was it
5: Marjorie Merriweather Post? Exactly, that was exactly, yes. Um, In my book, I actually talk about the five must-sees and must-dos. And, uh, of course, the first, I would say, would be the Flagler uh, Museum, Whitehall, where Henry Flagler, of course, had his home. Uh, And then the Breakers is number two on the list. Number three is Worth Avenue, as you mentioned. But uh, really getting out and seeing some of the architecture in the aisle and the lake trail was a wonderful experience to experience the, the, the houses up close to ride your bike. On the six to seven mile uh, lake trail, and then a driving tour. It's, it's really fantastic.
3: Well, it's certainly accessible by bike
5: these days. Bicycle as well as driving. That's the great thing about Palm Beach, even though it's an exclusive, wonderful resort town, it's actually accessible to everybody.
3: And now you've got the Brightline train.
5: Right. You can get down to Fort Lauderdale in 30 minutes and Miami in an hour. And what's happening is we're getting a lot of folks from Fort Lauderdale coming up here to uh, West Palm Beach and Palm Beach.
3: You mean outsiders?
5: I know. It's outsiders hard. are coming? <laughs> well, this is the Palm Beaches, as you mentioned before. Yes. So when we say the Palm Beaches here, we mean Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, North Palm Beach, South Palm Beach, Palm Beach Lakes, Palm Beach, Lakes, Palm Beach, Gardens, Palm Beach Gardens, Royal Palm Beach, and a few others, too.
3: <laughs> that was pretty good. Can you name them all?
5: I, but that was just about all of them. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think about Palm Beach going back to the 2000 election. Right, because that was hanging Chad time.
5: Yes, yes. Right right
3: here in Palm Beach County.
5: Right here, ground zero.
3: Yeah, hanging Chad. We haven't heard that, that term in, well, what, almost 18 years.
5: Yeah, I, You know, in many ways, I kind of miss the fact that we don't do everything by paper anymore. Maybe we should go back to that.
3: I'm a big paper fan. I'm, yeah. I read newspapers by hand. I don't do anything online. I still like to hold it in my hand. I right?
5: agree, especially when it comes to voting.
3: Well, r- these days,
5: yeah, you want, you want a paper trail you want absolutely. a paper trail <laughs>
3: right. i mean in the in the world of facebook and big data and everything else i want a paper trail i mean otherwise what are you going to do right
5: i know absolutely you just don't know what's what they can do in terms of hacking and whatnot
3: well since you're from around here not one of those out of staters um uh, <laughs> my question to you is walk me through other than the five must-see places let's talk about must-see
5: eating experiences for you where do you like to go to eat Well, uh, and and,
3: and think of it as if it's not in the brochure I'm going to like it a whole lot better
5: right no um, the West Palm and Palm Beach area really has a blooming blossoming restaurant scene right now and it's in Palm Beach and in West Palm Beach all very close but uh, I like Bucan you know Chef Clay Conley is his name he has a great restaurant there and he also opened a restaurant over in West Palm Beach uh, Grotto but Bucan's a lot of fun um, you know, uh, if there's no question if It's a in terms of hot scene restaurants. St. Ambrose is very popular in Palm Beach, but I like some of the classics. The Palm Beach Grill is great. Yeah. But um, there are these new restaurants in particular over in West Palm Beach, which I think if Table 26 would be right up there is a great restaurant. And a, a small favorite in downtown is the Avocado Grill in West Palm Beach. It's avocado a, grow. Farm-to-table uh, restaurant dining. It's great. And that's a new trend here locally, is restaurants opening that are really serving local uh, produce. And well,
3: it's about time.
5: Absolutely, I agree.
3: It's about time. Plus, you've got such a long growing season here, it's not difficult to source great fresh produce.
5: Well, this was the growing capital of the United States for the winter months for, yeah. for decades. Well,
3: mm-hmm. let's talk about the winter months for a second because I'm a big fan of, of getting rid of seasonality. I don't think it really exists except in people's minds. I'm a big fan of off-season travel, Mm -hmm. because that's where you're going to have the best experience and the best deals and the less crowds and better service and all those things. Palm Beach is very much a seasonal place.
5: Well, we have two seasons here in Palm Beach. A lot of people have the misconception that it's only the winter season. So we have a pretty strong summer season for families, because, you know, the Atlantic Ocean doesn't get that warm like, you know, the Gulf of Mexico. So it actually stays rather... Um, comfortable in the summer months. So as long as you're near the ocean in the summer months, it's very reasonable here to have a family vacation. And you know what? The kids only want to go swimming at the beach or in the pool. So they don't care whether it's an exclusive hotel up in the Northeast somewhere, in Nantucket or in Hamptons. So you're saying that Palm Beach in the summer is affordable? It's a great deal. It's a great deal in Palm Beach in the summer. I mean,
3: Give me an idea of the price comparisons.
5: It's probably a third. Of the cost really, a third of the costs, as they are at, in, in comparison to the winter months, of course, right? Yeah,
3: and in the summer months, you know, people get driven by rate as uh, much more than they should be driven by value. And, and what I say to them all the time is, Hey, look, just don't go by the rate, then have a conversation and say things like, Can my kids stay free? Can they eat free? Will you throw in free Wi Fi? Will you get rid of that dreaded $30 a night resort fee? You got a shot, total. am feeding, we're not in Kansas anymore. when I come to the breakers, because just when I think I've figured it out and know it all, they add another restaurant, they add two more kitchens, and my next guest knows a lot about that, because he's he's the executive chef of all their restaurants, Anthony Siganano. Yes, sir. I know. An Italian guy. <laughs> you got it, yeah. Yeah. And as I discovered, <laughs> not from here, but he's next door to me back in Long Island, you're in Central Iceland. That's right, you're neighbors. A C- you're a CI yeah. guy, I'm a Bayshore guy. That's right, that's Unbelievable. right. Unbelievable. Well, welcome. How long have you well, been down you. here now?
1: I've been I've been down here for twenty four years. Wow! So you've seen a lot years. of the changes. Sure have. Sure have. When you yeah. came down here, how many restaurants were at the Breakers? There was a, there was a main dining room. We were down there yeah. today. It was called the Florentine Dining Room. That served um, most of the dinner service, and I think there might have been uh, there, there was like a clubhouse type restaurant for the golf course. And yep, yeah, and that was and that was and, mostly and, lunch. Now and, and Beach Club, which was yeah. lunch, but that was really it. That was and it was I was it was quite the time. You know, it was. At, Everyone would show up at the same place for dinner every night, two nights a week, I think, and order black tie. the same thing. The same food steak and, it was, and potatoes. It was very, uh, very Maybe old. Maybe some classic. mahi mahi. I, I think of mahi mahi once in a while, but uh, back then I remember <laughs> some poached uh, salmon. Poached salmon some and lobster, lobster tails yeah. and you know, all the classic stuff. Right. Know. And how many restaurants today? Uh, we have nine restaurants today. Does that include room service, too? Uh, that does not include room service. So that's even more. Yes, yes it is. So yeah. how many people working in your kitchens? Boy, in all of our, in the restaurants alone, we have about 120 cooks alone. And then we, we go on to probably about another 80 members of the stewarding team. So when you're sitting in your office ordering food, that is a daunting task now. Boy, there's, uh, we, we have luckily a lot of people ordering food through each outlet, but it is, a, it is a daunting task. And what's daunting about it is really ensuring that only the best quality gets through our, our doors here you know when you look but at you it,
3: have you have a, a, a because of the volume that you do and because of the quality that you're trying to you know continue you have your choice for some really interesting purveyors
1: uh we we sure do however we we do really try to stay, stay as local as much as possible so when we're look so you're at, getting day boat fish we're getting a day boat fish we have one vendor that will, will call us the day before and let us know what was caught and then that's the stuff we're getting in primarily in our seafood bar um we partner with local farms we'll we'll meet with the farmers we'll we'll find out what they could grow best and that's the product that we'll use through the great florida growing season which is for yeah people don't realize it months of the year well minimum yeah minimum yeah yeah. Uh,
3: yeah it's amazing so in the 24 years that you've been here you've gone
1: from you know lobster steak surf and turf right to what to really everything and anything, you know, our, each concept is distinct and, and unique, and each each comp, uh, concept focuses on that food for that concept. So we have you now at a Flagler Steakhouse. We have the great uh, prime U.S. beef. Let me um, guess, you
3: have a tomahawk up there too? We sure do. Oh, it's a yeah. weapon. Yeah. Weapon.
1: It's, it's a weapon, for sure. What is it, 64 ounces or something? Yeah, it's not quite that big, but it's Big enough to hurt somebody. To Absolutely.
3: Colombo would actually find it as the murder weapon. I, he, I, you know I, he I would. I think he would. Yes, he would. he would. I think he would, yeah,
1: with a million questions prior. I'm I sure. have a
3: question about yeah. that. How big was
1: that steak? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 All right, and so then that's flagger uh, steak. back go, which is Asian cuisine, and it's really true Asian. You know, we have the Japanese piece with the sushi, and there's some Thai dishes. We, we have a beautiful sampling of New York-style Chinese dishes on that menu, which are really popular. Egg roll. Um, we have a shrimp egg roll. Which it, everything we it. do has a twist on the classic item, you know. Um, big, bold flavors there. And then we have our seafood and our beachfront front rest, uh, restaurants, as well as HMF, which is more of a global tapas-type type restaurant that really has authentic food from all over the world. Well, that particular restaurant, I looked at that menu today. You have a sense of humor in that menu. Just a bit, yeah. Yeah, which
3: is something I never thought the breakers had. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, when you came here, there was no sense of humor on the you menu. You know what?
1: It, it, there was no sense of humor on the menu. And it was really there, there was um, even even for the time, you know, I would say there was a l- bit of lack of relevance where what we're really proud of today is, is through outstanding support from our ownership and our president and some great direction given that we're able to do really good restaurants here. You know, these aren't the typical hotel restaurants. These restaurants will stand on their own anywhere. And and we're really proud of that. We're
3: talking with Anthony Siginano. Siginano. C- yeah. I'm going to get Ciginano, it right, man. Yeah. Italian guy from Central it's Islip. <laughs> How dare you. Uh, I always ask this to the chefs, so you're no exception. i got to ask you, sure. too. And, and you've had 24 years to give me an answer for this. Okay. So you right. ready? When you got here, or even last week, it doesn't matter, Yeah. what was the one item you put on your menu that you said, man, people are going to absolutely love this, and it completely tanked? Or, or I should say and or, because you're going to get two okay. questions yeah. here. Or what's the one thing you put on? And I say, do I have to put this on? This is the ridiculous, most ridiculous idea. You put it on, and people can't get enough of it.
1: Okay. So, so both of these examples are within the last five years, you know, okay? As opposed to going way back, way back when, um, there was a dish at Echo, and, and again, we have. I wish I could tell you I create all the food here myself. We have a team of wonderful and talented chefs that, that play a huge part in our menu development. But we a dish was it was called Velvet Chicken. So it was like a Chinese. Already we
3: got a problem here. The yeah, naming
1: of but it. But it's delicious. Could be the naming of it. But it was a, uh, what was in this dish. a Chinese dish. Picture it, it. was a velvet corn cream sauce. Sauce Had some soy in there, some Chinese vegetables over white rice. And it was, a, it was Chinese comfort food. It was just absolutely delicious. All of us that tasted it made it through our whole approval process. And we boy, you had to vote. You had to vote. Loved it. Loved it. Mixed so it the velvet the chicken was a winner got on the menu wasn't a winner didn't sell <laughs> we're not done we're not we didn't give up we, we might revisit that but it was one of those items how where, long
3: did it last on the menu it, we had it on the menu not we gave it a good, good, good
1: six months we gave it a shot six months but, in six uh, months, how many people
3: ordered the velvet oh, chicken? I,
1: in relation to everything else, I'll tell you this: it was probably in the, the bottom five percent of other <laughs> stuff that was selling. But it was just so if so
3: somebody ordered, they would call you on the phone. And say, You're not going to believe it: some idiot just ordered yeah,
1: velvet yeah, chicken. Yeah, and <laughs> half the time it was me. You know, but it was uh, it was just, it was a delicious dish. We all loved it. Okay, we, we, and we the one it. you put on saying "give it up" it, this is it something where it, at the time, again, going back five or six years, we did a boneless uh, grilled Korean short rib, and and that. You know, a little subjective for us, perhaps, um, especially when you get into cooking medium rare with short ribs and the style of the dish. And it's actually our number one seller in HMF right now. It's uh, it's actually uh, that that boneless Korean dog. short rib. Yeah, yeah. It's marinated in an Asian-style marinade. We cook it. We have a coal-burning grill called a Roboto Grill down there, and it really gives it a beautiful uh, flavor profile. But, you know, those are probably the ones where I, th- I thought it might sell. I might thought it'd be okay. But for it to show up as in, in the top two or three items blew my mind. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles
3: and virtually every genre, so check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight
2: 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now.
3: There's a pattern here that I'm discovering about most of my guests on the show today. They're not from here. They're all refugees from Long Island or Washington, D.C. or New York, and my next guest is no exception. She's the food writer for the Palm Beach Daily News, but she's originally from Manhattan and Washington, D.C., so she's got it all covered as a refugee. Hello, Roberta Saban.
2: Nice to be here. You've been coming down for how long? Coming down, I'm here.
3: I know, but how long have you been here?
2: 1993, I bought a house here on the Enchanted Island.
3: So 25 years. Yeah. Happy quarter century. What keeps you here?
2: Oh, it's magical. Tell me. Well, it's like a kaleidoscope. Everything changes. There's nothing um, that stays the same when you're in the tropics. You're very much enveloped by what's around you. And it's a very exciting place to live. And I've lived in many different places in the world, and this is pretty dynamic. Now, I'm going to go back
3: 25 years and talk about the cuisine in Palm Beach, which was no great shakes 25 years ago, and then things changed, didn't they?
2: I, I don't know that it was no great shakes. I think that- They had there a couple were...
3: of good milkshakes, but I mean- No,
2: no, 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 no. They had, they had a lot of restaurants that uh, were restaurants that catered to the people that were living here. It has changed, of course, dramatically in 25 years, but there were many- good restaurants here but people's tastes also have changed so tell me tell me what's happened in 25 years there there has been uh an explosion in a sense of um people wanting to eat things that come uh that are grown locally and although that people come for the winter months people don't realize that when the mediterranean garden is finished in the winter the tropical world takes over
3: well People don't realize Florida's got the longest growing season of any state in America. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, so you have a great time here because sourcing is not, it's not difficult.
2: No, it's not difficult. And it, they also they've attracted a lot of boutique farmers who are ready to grow specialty products for... Um, the chefs and the restaurants in this area.
3: Well, one of the things that surprised me me every time I came down to the Breakers, and it surprises me now, is how many restaurants they have at the Breakers and how many different kitchens they have.
2: Eight. It's amazing. And did you know that uh, they did 90,000 or 100,000 covers from the catering department? That's covers, that's multi-course meals. In addition to their regular... A year, a year. Oh, yes. In, in addition. addition to the eight restaurants, right. So what Roberta's trying to tell you is somebody got married. <laughs> More than married. I know. Events, but... galas, um, um, Happy Friday, uh, whatever.
3: <laughs> All right, but outside the breakers, though, obviously as this whole food culture has exploded here in, in Florida, and particularly uh, Palm Beach, where do you like to go?
2: Well, after my house, I like to go to uh, Chez Jean-Pierre. Because it is a French restaurant, family-owned. You think Chez Jean-Pierre is a French restaurant? French, but yeah, but people have a name that they inherited. And some <laughs> some guy from uh, someplace else, Colorado, bought the restaurant. And Chez sure. Jean-Pierre is a family restaurant in the second generation, uh, a bastion in Palm Beach. And it's the kind of restaurant that's not so easy to find even in France today. And what's what's their standout dish? Believe it or not, it's Dover Sole. One woman <laughs> said to me one day. She said to me, "I never even look at the menu." She said, "I've been ordering Dover Sole ever since I first started coming here, but um, they have things like uh, foie de veau, delicious um, uh, liver with with onions in the French style. Um, everything that you order is there is delicious. Do they have onion soup? Of course, they have onions with
3: the cheese on top.
2: With the cheese and and Jean Pierre's specialty are scrambled eggs in a shell that are served uh, with caviar on top. See, it
3: wasn't the scrambled eggs, it wasn't the shell, it was the caviar. It was the caviar. See, we know. That's what got your attention, exactly. And it's a nice presentation, too.
2: Well, not only that, somebody said uh, to him one day, I'd like to have the scrambled eggs with the caviar, and would you please put a couple of oysters on the plate, and then I'd like some smoked salmon, too. And that's been on the menu ever since.
3: Does it have a name?
2: Uh, It's something like Marty's uh, plate or Marty's (laughs) appetizer or something. We just got through one French restaurant, and I was already ready to go to dinner. So let's move on, because it can't just be one French restaurant, right? Well, there's only one French restaurant. But I would say that no matter what the restaurants are, if Julia Child and Auguste Escoffier came back to Palm Beach to dine... They would be very, very comfortable in most of the restaurants here. There's always a marvelous steak on the menu and terrific seafood because we live, we're on the ocean here, so. All right, but speaking of fish, what about the Palm Beach Grill? Well, that's uh, part of the Hillstone Group. Marvelous, always delicious. It's uh, certainly the best of American cuisine, and um, every day they have different fresh vegetables. People will go in there three times a week. They complain because they can't get a reservation, so they've just opened up the Honor Bar, which you can go to at any time. The Honor Bar. Honor Bar, yes. Which means? Well, it's you sit at the bar. It, it, you sit at the bar. Well, it's very attractive. It, it, nothing <laughs> is exactly what it seems to be in palm beach Um, but it's a very so it's uh, not an honor bar (laughs) it's uh it's an honor fun bar
3: (laughs) (laughs) i love how you qualified that
2: um but there's a bar and then there are little tables around and it's open for lunch and dinner and the grill is only open at night
3: and the best seafood
2: Well, the best seafood is certainly at the Breakers in the seafood bar because you you have it swimming in the bar while you're sitting there eating, which is rather unique. But um, there has been a tremendous uh, movement to uh, serving local fish. That wasn't always the case. I would say 10 years ago that wasn't really uh, a high priority here. But people come to Palm Beach uh, and to South Florida to eat fish. And we have some of the finest fish in the country and shrimp and shrimp our shrimp we have those key west pinks that swim and are sustainable and renew themselves every 100 days
3: and then i have to bring it up cuz we're in south florida stone crab
2: stone crab uh, yeah and that's another thing that's completely sustainable
3: and by the way with all due respect to joe's in miami which i love it's not the only place to
2: get stone crab no you can even buy them at the supermarket here
3: but you see that's like buying stone crab i don't know i would I wouldn't know how to do that. I had to know what was getting good stone crab, sort of like gas station sushi. I just, mm, but there are a lot of great restaurants in Palm Beach that will serve stone crab.
2: Yes, they have them in season. Yes, it's true.
3: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. They talk about having them in season. People don't really understand how stone crabs are the most interesting regenerative species, right?
2: Yes, they are. Yes. They just take off one claw and then they put the uh, crustacean back into the ocean and it swims away and grows another one. If only life could be that way. It's protected. Yes. Yeah, I love it.
3: Okay, so we, now we mentioned the breakfast. That, that it's always the sauce on the stone crabs, you know. It's that mustard mayo yes, sauce. Yes, it's oh. always the sauce. That's what does it. That sauce I could eat on anything. Of course. It's or either that sauce or honey mustard sauce.
2: It's like it's like snails. Who would eat snails without the garlic? The garlic sauce? and the butter. Yeah,
3: I know. You put garlic and butter on cardboard. I'd probably eat it. Delicious. <laughs> Are you speaking from experience? No, I haven't eaten <laughs> cardboard yet. Well, one of these days we probably will. All right, but other than the, the eggs and the, and the shell with the caviar, where do you go for a really great dive breakfast?
2: Oh, a lot of people uh, like greens, the pharmacy up the street. It's a pharmacy? Yeah, it's a pharmacy with- And a, a luncheonette? A luncheonette, yeah, very very old fashioned, very old Palm Beach in many So
3: basically ways. breakfast followed by antacid.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Yes, of One course. One-stop shopping. Tom's, right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Fine, be that
2: way. Also, St. honore has uh, come to Palm Beach, and people like to go there for a very um, posh
3: breakfast. Posh breakfast. Posh. A long-term posh. breakfast. The, the ladies who lunch, but now they are the ladies who breakfast? The ladies
2: who breakfast, exactly, in breakfast meetings. Yeah. Breakfast meetings to discuss breakfast. Uh, to discuss what? what... You don't realize, you have to... Have a very creative agenda in Palm Beach. Um, There's your manicure, your pedicure, your massage, the new Chinese massage guy who's come and does only feet. I mean, it's very intense. You are so heavily tasked. Oh, yes.
3: Yes, I'm I'm glad you took
2: time out from your busy manicure schedule to come on the show today. I know. It was tough. (laughs) I had to fit you in.
3: Why do I believe this? (laughs) All right, Now, before I lose you, we haven't talked about
2: lunch. 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 um lunch. Secret place? Yeah. Piccolo Mundo, part of um, Renato's uh, um, restaurant. Uh, Piccolo Mundo is a little carryout window in Via Meisner on Worth Avenue, just off of Worth Avenue.
3: And it's affordable.
2: Very. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are
3: continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. My next guest, I'm getting a little worried here because this could, could be an all formerly Long Island show. I spent my summers on Long Island. I still do. Uh, the executive chef here earlier on the show, I, a central Islip boy. And my next guest, who's the, uh, the columnist for the Palm Beach Post, another Long Island boy. Frank Sarabino, how are you, sir?
0: Yeah, good, Peter. Bay Shore here. Uh, uh, that's where. Central
3: Frank, that's where I live.
0: Yeah. No, you're kidding me.
3: I'm right on Maple Avenue in Bay Shore.
0: Okay. You're the, I was right by the Brightwaters uh, Public Library, right? A couple blocks to the uh, east of that. Right on, Seafield right on Mon- on the
3: old uh, Montauk yep, Highway. The old, there.
0: there used to be a Friendly's uh, very close to there. <laughs> I don't know if it's still there. But we are doing but Long it's, Island
3: it's geography in the middle of Palm fascinating Beach.
0: Fascinating conversation. By the way, gumbo. I can I can attest to Gumbo Limbo Nature Center. It's a great place, especially if you're a turtle. But it's uh it's wonderful. And the name Gumbo Limbo has to do with a t- with a tree. That's, uh, that's very common down here. It's a reddish, almost paper bark kind of tree, very distinctive-looking tree, the gumbo limbo tree.
3: Thank you for setting but me straight on that, because I wanted to know the derivation of that. Hey, by yeah, the way, I, kn- I know you're a Bayshore guy, so now yeah. we, we've got that in common. But, of course, as I ask everybody down here, why Palm Beach and when?
0: Okay, well, I came down here for a job. Uh, I came to Florida. I was in Chicago, and uh, I was looking for a newspaper job, and the Miami Herald hired me in February. So if you're in Chicago in February and you haven't been down here and you come down here during a sleet storm, you will basically work at any job they give you because uh, it's just so beautiful here in February. Of course, then after I took the job, it pretty soon got to be July and August. And then I thought, whoa, this is a bad mistake. This is, <laughs> this is a terrible place to be in the summer. But that was 1984. So, so thirty four years ago, I've gotten over it. And I've gotten very used to it. And actually, if you've lived here in Florida long enough, you actually like the summers better because yeah, you know uh, what? I, I it agree. It feels with you, like but... it's your yeah. place in the summer, where in the winter it feels like you're just hosting a bunch of out of town guests that uh, never leave.
3: Well, that's the problem, of course. Now that you're here, everybody from Bayshore comes down to see you in February, don't they?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's uh, it, they they occasionally because I have my my picture in my name in the paper, they'll call up and they say, I went to school with a guy by that name in <laughs> Long Island. Are you related? Oh. Yeah. So yeah, yeah there's a lot exactly. of overlap between Long Island. All right.
3: So and now we know what got you here, but most importantly we want to know what keeps you here.
0: Well, what keeps me here is I've 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 been a newspaper reporter and columnist since nineteen eighty four and this is a fascinating place for news. It's just a I have to say it's just a, a wonderful place because the fact that everybody—and I say everybody loosely—but the fact that so many people are from other places make it a re- makes this a really interesting place. in, in a sense, everybody here is a refugee from something. You know, either from exactly. bad weather, or dictators, or uh, high taxes, <laughs> or ungrateful children and grandchildren. Everybody's kind of here, under some kind of duress where they never really plan to be here, but they're here. And uh, and it makes it really interesting. I I actually I I, I think of it as as a America as a Chinese checkerboard, you know, except it's not on the level. It's kind of tilted this way. And if you're a (laughs) loose marble, you roll to Florida. So we're like a collection of America's loose marbles.
3: What an an admission
0: Yeah. And if you're writing a column, you know, that makes it just that much easier. I I, I keep thinking of how hard it would be to write four columns a week and, you know, council bluffs iowa or someplace you know but it, but it's it's relatively easy here
3: all right but the, you know and I sh- in, in 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 the uh, well in the attempt to clear things up it's not palm beach it's really the palm beaches isn't it
0: yeah yeah so the w- the rule down here is if somebody says they're in the palm beaches it means they're not in palm beach <laughs> and if somebody says they're in the boca area it means they're in delray beach not boca raton so we have we have some places that have a, a reputation of being sort of tony and cheek and stuff. And then the places that surround them try to uh, capture part of that by saying, no, we're in the Palm Beaches, which means they're in West Palm Beach or Riviera Beach or Lake Court. They're really not in Palm Beach. But it sounds better to say that than, than uh, you know, the, the actual city where they're from.
3: Now, is it really true that people can only, can only pronounce this word one way? We're in Boca. We're in Boca.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, the people who aren't uh, from here, you, it's Boca Rattan as if it was some kind of a phone furniture uh, brand or something, you know. Uh, if they say Rattan, that is a dead giveaway that they're not uh, – yeah. And then, and then just, of course, you know, Boca. And Boca has come to symbolize a lot of other things, you know. It's come to symbolize sort of the so, – so the more concentrated sort of New York element down here is in Boca. So, for example – uh, you know that it, it, uh, Boca has a, has some great delis and things like that, and and uh, and people who really are trying to duplicate the New York experience. You know, we say a lot of that in Boca, and as you go farther up, there's a little bit of resistance to that. So, um, well, sure, like
3: that reminds uh, me of the days in, in Miami Beach with Wolfies.
0: Right, right, exactly. And and there's you know there's no more Wolfies in Miami Beach. That's but right. There, but there are places. As a matter of fact, Boca just got a Juniors. Uh, you know, the 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 famous park oh, just opened right, just opened in Meisner Park, which is sort of like uh, Boca's amusement park for adults. You know, it's kind of one of those mixed <laughs> use developments with It's like a place where people go after they've eaten too much and they wanna walk they go to Madison Park and you walk And then they and go to and then, the then rest- they
3: go to Juniors? And then they yeah, go and then to then Juniors. when you look
0: at right you, you walk and you look at all the restaurants you didn't need at and then you go for a piece of cheesecake at Juniors to really top it off.
3: <laughs> I was about to say cheesecake <laughs> but you beat me to it. Yep. Yeah, you take che- you yeah. take cheesecake at Juniors, get a get a, you know, get a stretcher.
0: That, exactly. There are a lot of people here. Uh, and, and you know, I did, you know, uh, I, because we have an older population there's a lot of there's a lot of humor. So for example, there's a strip club here that taught the strippers how to operate defibrillators because there are so many old guys that go into the strip clubs. They assume <laughs> that one guy during a lap dance would just check out, you know, cardiac-wise. And so the strippers, they were all trained in how to, you know, uh, administer the paddles to a guy that was a little overstimulated.
3: <laughs> I have to think so about you don't that get for
0: that. a minute. You don't get that in other places.
3: No, I you like don't. That's a, that is a totally Palm Beach. That, uh, I is, mean, uh, that oh. is
0: a... That is a Florida thing.
3: Unbelievable. Like we had a
0: Florida thing. We just had, you know, every week there seems to be another story that seems to only happen in Florida. This one was in North Florida the last week. We had a woman who was 37 weeks pregnant who uh, thought she just ate a bad Chinese meal. And it turned out that's when she discovered she was actually in labor and going to have a child. Uh, she had no inkling up to those first 37 weeks that she was pregnant. And she went out and ate some General Chow's chicken. And uh, thought, ah, oh, boy, this chicken has really done me in. And it turned out, no, you're having your baby. So,
3: <laughs> all right, you know what? You, you've solved the problem for me, Frank.
0: Yeah. You have Chinese yeah, restaurants that deliver
3: babies, and you have yeah. strip clubs that are that are all EMTs. I love it.
0: Exactly. There you go. So why would you go anyplace else?
1: <laughs> Frank, It's also you sold very me.
0: comfortable. You can get very casual here year round. I mean, like a formal a, going out to eat in a formal restaurant is uh, here. It's like wearing a shirt that has a collar on. Hello? Uh, this is your
1: captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for a motor running. Head out on the highway looking for adventure.
3: If I've taken anything away from my stay at the breakers, it's this. When somebody says they've only been here a little while, it's about ten years. I mean, I have not, I mean, the chef's been here 24 years, the guy up on the Flagler Club has been here 37 years, and my next guest is a baby. Yeah. She's only been here 22 years, and she's the general manager. Trisha Taylor, how are you?
4: Great, thank you. But thank you of course, for the kind remarks. Hey
3: but, hey, but you're not from here, are you? You're, you're from the state of Washington.
4: Yes, originally I grew up in Bellevue, Washington, right outside of Seattle.
3: I know it very well. Uh, but you've been in the hotel business how long?
4: Oh, since a youngster. Um, I grew up in my grandparents' motels, right? Child uh, labor. They owned and operated two motels did in they downtown have magic, Seattle. Did
3: they have Magic Fingers? Do <laughs> you remember Magic Fingers? I don't remember Magic Magic fingers. fingers in the old motel days was a little box next to the bed, and it took quarters. And if you put the quarter in, the bed would vibrate.
4: No, no Magic Quarters, but it was my job to collect the quarters from the vending machines, and that's how my sister and I got paid from my grandpa, whoever could scoop more quarters right (laughs) in those little boxes, but they didn't go in the beds, just for Coca-Cola.
3: So you, you, you learned it the hard way, running motels.
4: Right, and so it's the exact opposite, budget motels to a landmark luxury property. Um, but when people ask me about my roots in hospitality, I'm like, it's essentially the same. Obviously, you, you've done the all the scrunch- right.
3: The thing that I saw in your bio that I thought was the one thing we had to talk about, you were a housekeeper. Absolutely. So you know how to make a bed. Yes, in record time. Yes. you can fold of those sheets
4: in one day. And that's Tough what work, you- right See, Tough people, work. Don't,
3: people don't realize the maids have to do 12 rooms a day, right? Yes. and and I've always said this and, and I'm, I, I wrote about this once in my book. Hopefully they fixed it. But I said, here's the deal what's the one item in your room that you want to clean when you get to the room? Oh, the bedspread. I said, no, that's already dirty. Forget it. They said, well, how about the the phone? I said, yeah, well, you want to spray that off too. I said, but wait, what's the the one item in the room that could be the dirtiest item in the room and nobody ever got it? I think
4: I can pass your test. What is it? The remote control for the television.
3: No, you're wrong. You're wrong. It was the glasses in the bathroom, and I'll tell you why. Because if your room was the 11th or 12th room that the maid had to do and she was running late... She didn't replace the glasses. Yeah, that little minor detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very minor detail. So I said, take those glasses and put them under hot water for at least two minutes. You'll be okay.
4: Right. Well, luckily we clean and sanitize them in the kitchen, <laughs> industrial <laughs> machine, as we as we should use.
3: <laughs> but those are lessons of a care. And yes. by the way, the number one item with bacteria in the in, in the hotel, you got it—the the remote control. That's right.
4: And everyone uses a TV at some point during their stay, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm.
3: So, but those are all lessons that you learned that you now apply here. Yes. Exactly.
4: Or I caution my friends and family when they travel, right? Don't use those drinking glasses in the bathroom, Peter, unless you know, unless you have assurance.
3: That's it cuz Peter Greenberg said. <laughs> <laughs> but this is an entirely different experience. This hotel because this is a machine. This is a legendary machine with employees that in, your turnover rate is very low.
4: Yes. We're very so, proud of that.
3: Yeah. And and yet you've seen you've been here for 22 years. You've seen all the changes. Right. Right. I mean, going from maybe one or two restaurants up to eight. Uh, you have the, the Flagler Club now. Absolutely. Right? right. Your kids program, your kids golf program. Yes. I Thank mean, you. if you're a golfer and you want your kids to learn how to play golf, they should come here.
4: Right. This is the place for yeah. golf or tennis. if yeah. your Children desire that.
3: Exactly. What's in, in 22 years here? What's the biggest surprise for you about this hotel?
4: Oh, the biggest surprise. Yeah. From an employee Coming from
3: a motel perspective, right? Yes.
4: No. Thank you. From an employee perspective, I think the surprise, like you mentioned, me being the baby here. I think, like so many new employees, you never intend to make it your lifelong home. You know, I never thought I would literally spend my entire adult life working in one place because, as you know, in the hospitality industry, they
3: move you around. That's unheard. Yeah. Of. Uh, let me put it this way. And this, uh, I go back to the days when I was a correspondent for Newsweek. If you stayed in a Newsweek bureau for more than three years, they either forgot about you or you're about to get fired. <laughs> right. Because they want to always move you around. Right. right? right. Same thing with hotel managers. If they stay more than three years, especially in the bigger chain hotels like the Hilton's the Marriott's, they rotate you.
4: Right. But and no, that's what makes us unique. Yeah. Right? Because we are independent. Or either that we or they haven't found fa-
3: or they haven't found out. There's there's always right. that. Right. You know. <laughs> but the point is if you do a good job here, you stay.
4: Right. And You wanna stay because the culture is so incredible. Of course, Peter, as you probably heard in our history, that wasn't always the case. Uh, When I joined in 1996, we had a new president, um, new board leadership that took over a couple years prior, and they really began a transformation, a complete labor of love. And as you mentioned, that increased all of the amenities, the investment in the hotel, the investment in the people. Today's Breakers is a dramatically different
3: place. And let me say, when when you say increase the amenities, I'm staying up in the Flagler Club. Perfect. That bed?
4: Perfect, yes. Oh, my God.
3: They should have that in every hotel room. Yes,
4: they should, but don't tell them.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Peter Greenberg
4: Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world.
3: One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're
5: really good at numbers. Auto Trader. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside
0: the house, there were the bodies of two women.
5: A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true.
2: I am just praying to God, this is a sick
1: joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early
2: and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast